Hello, and welcome to the latest in our series of podcasts, companion to the Primary Care Excellence Work, which has been created for all primary care staff in Greater Manchester. I'm Lynn Marsland. If you've missed any episodes, you can go back and download them anytime from wherever you already get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your colleagues so as many people as possible hear the series. Today's podcast is all about the Additional Roles Funded Social Prescribing Link Worker. I'm joined by Nicola Spireby-Roberts, who is the Social Prescribing Operations Manager at Wellbeing Matters in Salford, and Charlotte Leonardson, who leads on social prescribing within the recently formed NHS Greater Manchester. In this session, we're going to focus on adult support specifically. Thanks for joining me, Nick and Charlotte. We hear the term social prescribing a lot these days, but what does it actually mean? So we know that many things affect our health and well-being, such as finances, social environment, what's going on at home and other things we participate in within our lives. And it could be that people visit their GP because they're feeling stressed about their work, money or because they're lonely and isolated. And the impact that these issues can have on our physical health and mental well-being have been quite clear, especially as we all responded to COVID-19. We are now facing the challenge of a cost of living crisis and the prospect of increased austerity, which will affect our clients even more than the pandemic. But these problems can't be fixed by medicine or doctors alone. And that's where the social prescribing comes in. So social prescribing connects people to practical and emotional support in the communities through what we call the social prescribing link workers. The link worker give people time to really understand what matters to them and get to know people to really understand what goes on in their life. Rather than the known approach, what's the matter with you, it becomes around what matters to you. The link workers are based in GP practices or in the voluntary sector and they take the referrals from the GP and local agencies. And as I mentioned before, they take really good time to build trusting relationships and starting with what matters to the person. Then they create a shared plan and they introduce people to the community support available. So across Greater Manchester, we've got a couple of different models. And by models, I mean where the link workers are hosted and employed by. So we find link workers in the PCNs in Greater Manchester. And luckily, the majority of the PCNs will have link workers within their GP practice. And we also find them in the voluntary sector. We also are lucky to have similar roles in six of the colleges across Greater Manchester and in 14 secondary school, we got peer support-led social prescribing just about to start up now. They're being trained up at the moment. It depends a little bit on where the link worker is employed, whether that's from PCN practices or in the voluntary sector on how you refer into that link worker and who can refer. So it's all about knowing the locality that you're based in. I really like the term that you use there, Charlotte, around rather than what's the matter with you to what matters to you. I think there's a really big difference in just a change of words there. And I understand you've been doing this work for about, well, for over five years now. What sort of things have you learnt? 
I think over the last five years, we've learned a number of things, especially with the global pandemic. And I think the one of the keys to social prescribing working well is building relationships with the practices and also the community, which is what Charlotte mentioned about the link workers and the programmes being based in the voluntary sector being so vital. They're already connected to those groups and organisations that are based there. So relationship building is absolutely key and building trust. We get that from the GPs, but also the individuals that we're supporting. Empowering individuals to make a choice to improve their well-being and working in such a person-centred approach, providing a menu of options means that they're in control and always bringing it back to that individual. And once that individual feels in control, they can feel empowered to make changes. With the pandemic, we had to adapt our programme because ultimately community centres were closed, a lot of things moved online. So within the pandemic, we worked with our local practices, we worked with our local VCSE sector and provided options of support, whether that would be telephone calls, whether that would be Zoom engagements to ensure that people were still supported either socially or through their well-being. And I think that really helped to build trust with the practices and really shown social prescribing worth through the work that was happening with those link workers, supporting people in such you know, difficult and dark times. And one of the things from Wellbeing Matters in Salford that we've learned is building capacity within the VCSE sector is key. Supporting those communities with either funding, volunteers and support around improving groups, improving activities is vital. We can't refer out to the communities if those groups and organisations are not there to support those individuals. You mentioned the word networks there. Do you want to say a little bit more about how important networks are? Yeah, in terms of networks, the link workers and the link worker team thrive off networks, whether it's the, the networks across the practices, whether that's practice managers or teams within the within the practice, but also local networks, so things like neighbourhood huddles. So in Salford, we have a partnership with the Living Well service and we have local huddles around mental health. So lots of different organisations come together to talk about support and individuals that might need different routes opposed to the, the GP practice. And also we have the social prescribing link worker networks across Greater Manchester where we can work and learn with our peers across the greater Manchester area so what's going right what's going wrong what are the needs for training those networks are vital for the work that we do. So how would you summarise the key points that you've been making there about these networks? To enable a link worker or a community connector in Salford to refer into community offers, it's key that, as I mentioned before, there's activities to refer out to. You may have heard a link worker being referred to as a travel agent, and we use that a lot in our communication. But it's really difficult to be that travel agent if there isn't holidays to connect individuals to. So those holidays, as I mentioned before, are those fantastic community groups, organisations, and even statutory services that we engage with from things like the Welfare Rights and CAB. We need those options for link workers to connect out to. And what else has come up as part of the learning around things that are important to enable this role to really work? The link worker is in a prime position to identify any gaps that may be in the community. And this also ensures that the groups that we're working with are providing activities and those organisations are providing services that actually individuals need and there isn't duplication across the city with you know, reduce funding and things like that in communities, it's vital that those gaps are addressed and, you know, raised up into the higher channels, really. 
One of the other things would be that the link workers need to have sufficient time with the individual to establish rapport, trust and fully understand that person. Charlotte mentioned it's important that we support an individual around what matters to them, what makes them tick, what motivates that individual. By building that trust, we're able to engage with that individual in a way that maybe a a GP wouldn't do in a, a five to ten minute appointment. And because social prescribing is a non-medical model, there is a benefit to meeting outside in the community. So some link workers are based in practices. We do have some practices in Salford. But actually having community venues and community spaces is really important because it actually introduced that individual to the wealth of support that is available in our communities. Um, And it also starts to break a barrier down to say, oh, I've been there for that appointment. I might try the walking group or I might try the yoga at the next time that I'm there. So each of those sessions with a link worker is hopefully an aim to break some barriers down for that individual to improve their well-being. It's also beneficial that the social prescribing link workers are part of the practice MDTs to increase an understanding of the role and its benefit. Building those relationships within those multidisciplinary meetings are really important. It also is an opportunity to talk about particular patients or cases where the social prescribing approach has worked really well and feedback because one of the things we've learned is that feeding back to the practices is really important. Uh, They need to know where we're connecting individuals out to. They need to know the benefits for that individual and hopefully how we're reducing impact on those practices as well. Charlotte, I understand that there's now evidence of the impact on PCNs and GPs and indeed our patients themselves about the benefits of this social prescribing link worker role. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, there's been quite a few national pieces in terms of research and evidence and that is all helped by the National Academy of Social Prescribing, who's also pulling together a range of stories, case studies that shows how you can utilise the role, etc. But I think if we look away from sort of like a research paper and just look at the practice, we know that about 20 to 40% of all GP appointments is for a non-medical reason. And we know that the GP have got about 10 minutes to speak to that individual and their skills and expertise is around medical issues. So by referring to the link worker, we free up some of that GP time so that they can focus on the medical aspect. But also the link workers, as Nick have alluded to, they really know their communities very well. So they're in a much better position to support that individual. We know that if you have a long-term health condition and you have some challenges in terms of finances, social isolation, mental health. You might be really worried about your housing situation, how you're going to feed your children, etc. It's very hard to focus on, for example, looking after your diabetes. So we do know that with getting help with some of those wider determinants of health, it allows people to be more activated around supporting their long-term health condition and thereby better outcomes both for the sort of the health reasons and the conditions, but also for the quality of life for the individual. And you can say it's clear how, for me, (laughs) and hopefully for others, how the social prescribing really complements that clinical offer from the healthcare professionals at the practice. A lot of social prescribing programmes use evidence-based health measurement tools. So at Salford, we use something called SWEMWEBS, which is recognised by mental health teams and also within the practices. So when we share that with our 
practices and our GPs, it's recognised that we will be able to track someone's well-being using that evidence-based tool. It's about using a tool to track well-being and then feeding that back to the practices and then that then again builds trust with the practice that we're using something that is evidence-based and that programme does work and that really does make a difference. And most of the providers or link workers across DM also use the ONS4, which is recognised as well. And a lot of the PCNs are actually using that measure as well. And it's all being recorded so we can track that step change. Absolutely. And I'm just thinking, are there any other roles which can support this type of service? Yes. So we've got the three personalised care roles within in practices now and the ability to draw the funding down via the R schemes. So we got the care coordinator role and we got the health and wellbeing coach. So if we're looking at the social prescribing link worker as the person that is doing sort of the outward facing work with the patients from the practice and linking up to communities, the care coordinator is more inward facing and working with clinical teams around often identified cohorts such as uh, diabetes, learning disabilities, frailty, etc. to support that individual to navigate their health and social care and feel more in control of that as well. And then we've got the health and wellbeing coaches that are supporting around lifestyle changes and, and getting people ready to make some of those choices and motivated. And we've got a range of wonderful examples across Greater Manchester that we can share on your website. Yeah, that's really good. We will talk about the website and make sure we've publicised all of this information. But I'm just thinking, have you got any specific feedback, maybe from a client or from a link worker, about this kind of role? I think, as Charlotte mentioned about complementing the clinical offer and the medical offer, we've worked with an individual locally who had fibromyalgia, the GP and the team at the practice were doing everything that they could in terms of managing that individual's condition, that long-term condition, but they didn't know anybody who was going through the same thing. So our social prescribing link worker, our community connector, um, supported an individual into a local fibromyalgia support group and what they fed back was that really made the difference. They felt in control of their condition because they knew people who were going through similar things. They were discussing ideas around self-care. And, you know, that just really shows the complementary side to a link worker role that that everything could be done from that clinical side was being done but there was something missing for that individual about how they might manage their condition so connecting to that social network but then also looking at things like lifestyle changes increasing activity really made the difference and that's what they fed back to both the link worker and the gp and i think you've got a direct quote here haven't you which i'm going to ask you to read Yeah, I think that's the one from one of our link workers called Anne. And one of her clients was saying that Anne was like a supportive friend. I knew what I had to do, but without her phone calls, I would have kept putting things off. During lockdown, I really did not want to talk to my family about my problems, but I knew Anne would always call and we could talk about the changes I could make. I have now lowered my blood sugar through healthy eating and have actually started running. That's such a big thing, isn't it, for people to be able to see that progress for themselves? Absolutely. And I think we cannot underestimate at all how important it is to feel connected and to feel 
you've got a support available as and when you need it. And just knowing you have that gives you a bit more sort of motivation and confidence to actually make steps on your own. And I think one very, very important thing I'd like to highlight is that social isolation and loneliness shortens your lifespan, equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And that is really, really quite impactful, I think. And it is the missing link, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I would also say that connection is key, whether it's connection to those vital services such as, you know, housing, welfare rights and things like the CAB, but connection to those communities to reduce social isolation, but also to build resilience with that individual, knowing that things are there should anything change in the future. It's not always just about a quick fix. It supports individuals to make changes, but also instills resilience with that individual, knowing that there's places in that community that can support them going forward. Absolutely. And I think we talk a lot about the uh, impact of COVID and and the lockdown that we went through. But this sort of issue and problem for people has, it's, it's almost become more acceptable to talk about it. And the more we talk about it, the more we need to make sure that we've got roles in place to support, as you rightly say, a busy GP can't have the capacity to do all of this. But it's such a necessary service. So finally then, I know that we are going to, as Charlotte just said, we're going to make some more links to these roles available through our website. And there's some great guidance that's been published by NHS England, which I've been fortunate enough to see. So again, we'll make that all available to those of you working out there in primary care. But I think Dr. Joida Edu has been putting together some tips for PCNs when they're thinking about taking on one of these roles, whether they are providing the employment themselves or whether they're doing it through the voluntary sector. And I think we've got a few tips here. Charlotte, are you going to talk us through some things to bear in mind as a a PCN if we take these roles on? Yes. So Joida's checklist is really good and it's very practical as well. And just on that note, I'd like to say that Joida and myself is always available for any conversations around these roles. And it doesn't have to be, you know, can be very informal and just bounce a couple of ideas. And we are looking to upload as well recruitment packs and all the guidance that's available in general for PCNs to look at how they employ the roles. So Joida's checklist It's attached to the guidance that published by NHS England. So some of it comes directly from NHS England and some of it comes from Jawida's own experience of working with the roles. So the first one is highlight what the responsibilities are. So it's really important when you're recruiting a social prescribing link worker, the PCN needs to look for a highly organised person who'll be able to manage their own caseload. The link worker will work with patients to produce a personalised health and care plan, but they will also be expected to understand when a patient needs to be referred to a healthcare professional. So it's quite important to have that conversation with the link worker before you employ. The link worker will also inform their PCN members of what other services are available in the community and how people can access them so they can become sort of that knowledge bank of that for the whole PCN. 
It's asking the right questions, so an effective link worker needs to be empathetic towards their patients, whilst also possess some really good team working skills, as they will be expected to work across different teams, and not just teams within the GP practice. As Nick mentioned earlier, they will be engaging with a lot of different people from across the system, and that can be social care, community groups, small grassroots groups, you know, community nurses, community physios, etc., And NHS England has created a list of potential interview questions you can ask your candidates. And some are designed to test the interviewees' understanding of health inequalities and assess the experience they've had of supporting someone with complex issues. It's giving them a great induction. And I would say this is a really, really, really big key point, really to make sure they understand how your PCN work and what their role is. The link worker should recognise how social prescribing can improve people's life and know what their role within the wider PCN team is. And you can use the NHS England's checklist to make sure your induction covers everything a link worker needs to know prior to starting their role. We are also about to share an example of what a really good induction programme can look like from one of our really good practices in Trafford. So that will be available on the website as well. But the NHS England's checklist includes explaining how the link worker needs to be able to support people while remaining impartial without getting too involved with patients' lives. Which might not always be an easy thing when you're working so closely with someone. No, no, absolutely not. But that's where you should have supervision available to be able to support that link worker navigating some of the more complex um, people they're working with and nearly at the end of the points but it's choosing a workplace body so the link workers might come from diverse backgrounds such as social care charity or health and they might not necessarily be familiar with the new workplace and the setting of a you know a clinical setting so it's a really good idea to appoint the first point of contact in each GP practice NHS England says that this role should become a designated social prescribing champion within each member practice. And that is the the body for the link worker. And it's to ensure that the link worker builds effective working arrangement with all staff within the member practices and is supported by the staff. So they can support the link workers to increase that awareness of the role and really understand where it fits well within a clinical setting. That's helpful. And I think when practices or PCNs are thinking of taking this role on, having a listen to our podcast and looking at that information is going to be really helpful to them. Nick, I saw you nodding in agreement with everything that Charlotte was saying there about that checklist. Is there anything you would want to add? I think in terms of wellbeing matters, we are a partnership approach in Salford through the VCSE sector. So I would always say consider employing link workers or employing teams within that VCSE sector because they're already connected to the wealth of support that individuals may need connecting out to. I would also state as well having some space at the time of their induction plan to really map their local areas and know what's going on. We're really lucky that our team has grown at Wellbeing Matters and we're able to work really hyper-locally because even if someone crosses a road, 
that road is very different or it might have barriers to it. So it's really important that link worker knows their local area, knows those key individuals within those communities as well as those relationships within the practice because that will make all the difference. So having some space at the time of their induction to go out, visit centres, to do some mapping, find out what's going on on their local area will really benefit them in the long run. Yeah, to build on what Nick is saying, I think that is really key, but it's also really important that that time is safeguarded along the whole employment to make sure that those key links are nurtured and that they stay up-to-dated on what's going on because the landscape changes so fast on what's available. And some of the patients that or people that they are working with, some are quite vulnerable And it's really important that the link worker understand what level of support that individual will get when they access an activity. So obviously that depends on the different level of needs, but it is a key point of really understanding those groups, not just because it's nice, but because it's needed. And I think for me, it really is a great example of joined up care which might start in a doctor's surgery or it could start from a, any kind of point, couldn't it? A brush, should I say, with mental health or a discharge from a hospital, anything like that, to have a service that joins up your physical and health and well-being needs. I think it sounds like a, a really, really important role. Thanks both for coming along today to talk to us about this really key role, which for me typifies what we talk about when we talk about joined up care. So kind of regardless of how somebody comes into the broader care type system, there's a role here that can navigate that and bring things together to support not just their physical well-being, but also their mental well-being and their social needs and requirements. Thank you both for that. Thank you for having us. Thank you. What a great addition this has been to our ever-increasing podcast series. If you've missed any of them, do go back and download them for free. And we'd really love it if you share them with your friends and colleagues. We want as many people as possible to hear the useful advice from all of our amazing guests. Don't forget there's a wealth of information and advice on the Primary Care Excellence page too. All links are on the show page and you can also connect via social media channels. And if you're involved in a project you want others to know about, tell us about it. The more we work together, the happier and healthier our workforce will be. This has been a Fresh Air production. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.